1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Deuce Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know think about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic you'd like to have covered. We're always checking comments on YouTube and love to be able to take what you guys suggest and then get them onto future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Dan and Heather Clark of Dan's Diesel Performance, and I wanted to know more about how their company started. Um, we're all familiar with Dan's Diesel Performance, what they do with turbochargers and really cool builds out there. So I wanted to go back to the beginning with them see how it started how it grew how they got into manufacturing and then also how they run the business as a team i know there's a lot of shop owners a lot of business owners entrepreneurs that listen to the podcast and it's a really cool dynamic to be able to build, manage it, and grow it. So I'm looking forward to hearing from them, learning about their process. Before we get to it though, want to remind you guys, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide code for you. Use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. You get 20% off site-wide. They've got a bunch of cool gear. So if you're in the market for a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, something around the job site, they've definitely got you covered. 2023 has been a huge year for them with new product releases. And one of the newest are the Duralock models, which the way that the blade opens and closes is super smooth, keeps your fingers away from the blade. And then the blades also made out of D2 steel. Um, There's different choices for blade shape, also handle uh, sizes, different shapes to it. So if you're in the market, it's a great knife. Definitely make sure to head on over their website, check it out and use that code for 20% off site-wide. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Dan and Heather Clark learning more about Dan's diesel performance. Dan and Heather, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you guys today. I think this is our first episode where I've been able to chat with both of you. And we were talking you know, beforehand about uh, you know a, a lot of, people are always fascinated by the story of companies and how they came to be and your guys' story. And we've never talked about it on the podcast. So I look forward to doing that with you guys today, learning more about Dan's Diesel performance and your guys' team and how you guys put it all together. Yep.
2: Happy to be here today, and I guess I'll let Dan kind of start on the beginning of the dance people here.
1: Yeah, how did, how yeah. did it start,
0: uh, now? Well, it really started as a hobby. Um, I was working at a case construction dealer in Rockford, and uh, I had a, an interest in diesel pickup trucks, so I... Uh, Got into some around with my truck. I had a 2005 LOI Duramax and uh, I started buying parts with that and, um, and making it run better. And, uh, and other friends of mine saw you know, my truck, or they heard it had a exhaust on it or uh, it scooted down the road pretty good. So they were like oh, talking good to my truck. And uh, I said, sure, you know, it's all. Or parts for them and you know, got, got installed. Uh, I usually do that after hours around the weekends. And uh, I, I did that for a while. Then uh, I was also doing like repairs to farm tractors and machinery after hours on the weekends as well. And then uh, 2009, I think it was May, uh, when the economy wasn't doing too well, I got laid off from my job at the dealership. And uh, I decided to go into doing the diesel performance stuff full time. So I sent a bunch of tech messages out and called some good customers and said, hey, I'm available to do work whenever you need it. So uh, let me know. And at that point in time, it got uh, really busy. So uh, I've been working by myself for the most part uh, for a couple years. And I hired my first uh, employee in 2011 to help in the shop and then, uh heather's always been on my side for this whole deal so
2: yeah we met in 2009 and at that time you know we live about two and a half hours apart so you know i would come visit on weekends when i could kind of think around in the shop with him and it was around april of 2011 that i actually moved down to illinois to be with him and at that time I kind of built our website, made an online web store. You could kind of see that like e-commerce was quickly rising in popularity, and that was kind of the way to go. And that's kind of what I worked on, and handling things on the back end. And from there, like we, just, we were between truck pulling. We were working in the shop, managing the web store. So we did that a few more years, and in 2016, we moved off of his parents' farm over um, to a bigger populated area and kind of upped our shop space, and from there, things really took off.
0: We went from 850 square foot to 6,000 square foot, and uh, we thought, like, what are we going to do with all this room? And then uh, it didn't take long to fill it, when we put the lifts in and the air compressor and filled the offices, put all our inventory in there, um, found ourselves, we had to we need more space. We picked up a couple more units and this location. So right now we've got like 12,000 square feet here and we've got another 4,800 square feet in Roscoe, which is where our dino's at.
1: I got a lot of questions for you guys. Um, so I'm thinking I always like to think about our listeners and they'll ask me things I don't know the answer to but I'll have a guest on and and there's a few of them I know they're definitely going to want to hear your answer. So if we go back to 2009 and the way the economy was, I remember how it was in 2008, 2009, it was rough. When you decided to make that move, Dan, was it was there apprehension? Was there is this going to work? What what were you thinking at the time from, you know, working at uh where you worked you got laid off and then I'm gonna start this company was it was it scary was there a lot of unknowns right when you first started
0: well for me I guess it was a little easier because I already had uh, business kind of established uh, I was doing Dan's uh, you know, dance the performance before that it was Dan's agrifa work on contractors but I, I had the dance performance name registered and all that with the state and I uh, So that was already going, but I was just doing it as a part-time side job deal. So getting laid off from my main job, working on construction equipment, it was an easy transition. Uh, I knew I either had to work hard at the the business or had to to find another job. The uh, out-of-work list for the, the union was pretty big, and I was only 21 at the time, I think. There. And uh, I was pretty low on the total pole just because of my age and uh, seniority. So uh, I knew that I wouldn't be getting a full call for a new position anywhere anytime soon. So uh, I just took it day by day and worked on, uh, on the business. Up.
2: Plus, you've always been a little bit more of the entrepreneurial type of person. You kind of just wanted to do your own thing without kind of being confined. So it kind of give you that last little bit of motivation, kind of turn it into a full time thing at that point. So had it not been for that economic collapse at the time, Dan Diesel might not have come to be.
1: That's a really that's a really good point. Sometimes when I get these messages from their diesel enthusiasts, sometimes it's on the equipment side, sometimes it's on the truck side. But there's this voice they have in their head that says, I want to do this on my own or I have a vision. I want to I do something, but they don't quite know the right time to do it. And sometimes the economy or situations just kind of force it. And I think what you mentioned, Dan, about being, you, you didn't just jump in. So you had you had customers, you had things you were doing prior. It might have been part-time, but you had already kind of started that process. So when it came, it was probably like, all right, I'm ready to do it. I've already kind of laid the groundwork for it. You know and started which i think is important for anyone who's thinking that it doesn't even have to be diesel it could be business any sort of business and um, thinks about that particular side and the the question i had for you heather is when you moved there were you familiar with trucks was it like a whole new world or what was it like acclimating to you're building a website there's these trucks there's these parts everything that was going on at the at the beginning of it
2: i mean i wasn't unfamiliar i grew up farming um dairy farming in wisconsin of course and you know, I'd always been around diesel trucks, tractors, and stuff like that. I'd actually went to college for the same thing as Dan, you know, working on farm machinery. So I I never anticipated I would end up in an industry working on trucks, but I was very familiar with that and obviously how things work in parts. So for him, it was, you know, kind of a handy <laughs> Asset having, you know, your girlfriend knowledgeable and things and being able to make that website while he was in the shop working. So he didn't have to focus on things on the other side. So every now and then I would come in and, you know, rent with him when I could in the early days. And then as we got busy and, you know, hired our first employee, then I kind of got to step out of that and just focus just on the website.
1: There's the the other part of this. that really interests me is the growth because when I think of Dan's diesel performance, it's, it's been like this for years. It's a national brand. People know about you guys all over the country. Was that really hard to establish a national brand or how did it grow from where you guys are at into being national where people call you from all over the country, maybe even outside the United States, you know, for parts and upgrades and, and things like that. What was that process like?
0: Well, um it just kind of grew a little bit over time. Uh, we we had a pretty big presence on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and, and uh, our pole trucks. We always were posting videos and of that, and uh, it's a lot of people you know, heard about us on social media and you know, came to us for you know, bolt on parts and stuff. And uh, I'd say probably around 2014, 2015 uh, is when we started manufacturing some of our own stuff in-house. And uh, when we moved to our location in Chesley Park, that's when we really started building a lot more turbochargers. And we got into uh, fuel injectors, uh, fabrication, a lot of transmission stuff. We've been doing transmissions for a long time. um, so, getting a lot more product out there, getting a lot more recognition, started to become a, a household name at this point.
2: Yeah, I'd say um, a lot of that attributed in the early days um, when Facebook just started to allow businesses to create their own pages. We kind of capitalized that right away when that first became a thing. So. Back then, you know, people could follow you pretty easily. And that was before they made you pay to advertise so people would actually see what you would post. So our content was much more visible. So it was easy to kind of build that brand nationally in the early days than like say what it would be now. You would have to do things like, you know, tenfold or twentyfold to even compete how easy it was to do that back then. And we also pulled with NHRDA back in the day. So, you know, we were out in Montana. We were in Texas. So as far as getting the trucks out there, you know, we were putting ourselves out there visibly for people to see how our vehicles would perform.
0: We also had a mobile chassis dyno. We went around to a lot of events, NHRDA and some other events that we were privately scheduled for. And uh, we had some pretty big names on there. We had... Like John Baca's truck on there and uh, Levon Miller, Demetria uh, on there, on there. Um, a few other big power trucks. So, you know, those videos or uh, all lot stuff would just get shared on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and our name would come along with it. You know, get some big numbers on Dan Fusel performance of Dino today. And that's uh, another way we acquired some recognition.
1: So the visibility is is what seems to be really key because you guys, I think seizing the opportunity is what was so important. And, you know, if like Facebook back then, it was way easier to have people see you, but that wasn't just it. It was traveling. It was investing the time, the effort, going to these things, um, networking with people and being able to just showcase. Because I find that's where a lot of the younger people kind of get stuck. And it it could be with just showcasing their truck, it could be their welding business, their diesel performance business, whatever it might be, is they have this great idea, they have a lot of talent, but if nobody knows about it, how do they know you do it? You know, how do you how do you right. showcase it? So you guys put in that effort and that time, and I was always really curious how you guys, you know, grew it to that point. And like social media, you guys have an awesome social media page. Like I see the videos, <laughs> a lot of them, you know, there's some humor in them, there's some things that are really true. Like that sticks with me. I see it. And, um, you know, one of them that I remember was, uh, I think it was a set of heads or taking something off of a Duramax head. And it was like, you know, like the guy who's cheaper and it was a wire brush yeah. and something like <laughs> stuff like that, like sticks out to me. And I think, oh, okay, dance Diesel performance. Like it's just, there's so many ways and so many opportunities to be able to showcase and you guys have done a really, really fantastic job with it um with the manufacturing that's what i was another thing i was really curious about is that seems like a huge jump to go from you know installing working servicing maintenancing trucks to now you're going to make a turbocharger you're going to do injectors you're going to build transmissions what was it like to become a manufacturer at this at this time or during you know during that process of it
2: oh
0: i mean a lot of it was just looking at what, what products do we move a lot of and let's say uh, turbochargers for example. Uh, you know, turbos are pretty popular and you know, there's a lot of different brands to go with at the time and I was looking at it as well. You know, these companies all are doing is taking a good four turbocharger, taking it apart, cleaning it, machining the exhaust housing, the compressor cover and whatnot. Putting larger turbine compressor wheel in it, and balancing it, putting it together, and selling it as a complete unit. And you know, I was looking at well, what are the what would it cost to do this, and what is the price of it itself. And you know, then you look at well, what you make selling somebody else's product, and it was like, okay, well, I can get hooked up with a CNC shop to cut exhaust thousands and their compressor covers. I can source the parts, and we can do this. So that's what we basically did to get started. And when we moved into our shop here in Manchester Park, I made the investment into a CNC lathe and a CNC mill um, software to write the programs to you know, machine these housings and all the other parts. So for a lot more that work in the house. And, uh, you know, we have a, a dyno to back up what our turbochargers will do. Uh, well, same thing for fuel injectors. You know, we invested in the equipment to be able to make our own injector nozzles and test and balance and calibrate the injectors. Uh, so.
2: yeah, I'd say as the company grew, you know, he, Dan used to like wrenching more when he was younger, but As the company grew, he started to enjoy more of the manufacturing side of things. He liked developing products, like writing programs and things like that. So it was pretty easy for him to want to make new products or make products better because that's kind of been what's driven him the last few years. and
1: And probably, I think being able to have all those different parts that you make you can tailor them towards a specific use or power level, whatever engine it might be. You're not necessarily dependent on a company offering something. Maybe you didn't like how it ran. Maybe you wanted something a little bit different. Well, now you can do it, you can make it. So somebody comes with to you with an LB7 or a 5.9 or whatever truck it might be, you have that ultimate control to be able to really give them a complete solution between all the different options that you have for truck upgrades.
0: Yeah, yeah we, we can get custom with some stuff. Um, even in the R&D process, uh, when it comes to like turbos or injectors, if we build a product and we're selling a lot of it, guys look at, okay, it's running good, it's making good power, but is there anything more that we can do to get a little bit more out of it? Uh, a prime example of our LOI shop truck, we built a set of 150% over six hole injectors for it. We ran on the dyno. And it ran good, but it was a little under what I was expecting the horsepower to be. So we pulled those injectors out. We made a set of seven hole nozzles for those injectors, put it all back together, and maybe picked up like forty horse on a dyno. And it, you look at that like if you're working with a company, uh I can make names, but let's say I was purchasing the injectors from another company, you know, I'd be stuck with that low expectation. Was yeah. below expectation. But the fact that we were able to pull the muck out and modify them here in-house, put them back on the dyno and actually saw a gain, well, then the truck could have run better and it also changes how we make the product in the future. So now instead of uh, a six-hole injector, now we're putting seven-hole injectors on Duramaxes. It depends on the, the uh, application, of course, but... Um, yeah, that's really cool stuff.
1: Have you guys found maybe that a manufacturer, have you guys found from the start to 2023 that a diesel truck, I'd say enthusiast, or maybe even just a diesel truck owner, that they're more demanding with what they want? And I mean that in the sense of when I think back to my journey in diesel, it was like I don't know, two thousand eight, nine, ten. 10, it was like, I just want the most power I can get. I don't really care if I have to make sacrifices for drivability or all these other things. As long as I can get that power number or run that time at the track, I'm cool with it. Whereas now they're they're much more demanding or they expect more with, I want this to idle smooth. I want it to sound this way. Um, I want the fuel economy this way or, or whatever it might be. Has that been something you guys have noticed over the years?
0: Yeah, i'd say that people these days are more picky about uh, how their cr- trucks run and uh i think the, the parts and you know the tuning and all that stuff available to make a truck run really good especially with trying to emission you know, standards and stuff like that but um yeah it seemed like 10 years ago you know you just bolted on whatever you get and uh you know the truck would run and it make power but it'd also be you know, smoky and um, maybe mileage was really poor, but you know, they hit that big number in the dyno, so that's all I really cared about. But now they, you know, these trucks have gotten to the point where they're expensive, so they, they want to have a truck that drives nice, makes the power they want, so they can still use it for daily driving or use it for work. So, yeah, the parts really have to tailor to what the customer
2: yeah, I'd say people are more particular, you know, they want to get more bang for their buck than you used to. I mean, you used to be able to just slap like a box tuner around a truck and you'd be just as happy as you could be to drive around. But now people want files that are customized to their vehicles, like Dan said, they want it to run the very best. And then, you know, you have your handful of people like that are a little bit more entitled. They, you know, think they might deserve more even though you've given them the very best of what you can offer, they think there's still more on the table. And then yeah, and the rare occasion, like one out of maybe every thousand customers will still send an email to try to get a smoker low tune. And I'm like, it's not 2008, my guy. Yeah, it's time to move on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think- oh, and uh, everything is like, uh, as far as like parts go, uh, I think Amazon has kind of messed up the industry in some way. You know, if a customer purchases a part and maybe it doesn't meet their expectations, or maybe they messed up the install, or they just abused the product and broke it, you know, they think that they can just send it right back to us and then they're going to get a refund. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how this works. You know, there's there's a warranty process we have to deal with, um, or the ball just want to return it and get a refund if you bought it and installed it it's yours so if there's a problem well let's work with it on the warranty side but um our descriptions were accurate i think you knew exactly what you were buying so let's make it work for you but yeah there's some uh there's entitlement
1: do you guys find that that they're more educated than they used to be like um like the podcast you guys have done with us the videos you guys produce the the content that's on the website do you find that they know more like do they call you and say i want this you know particular turbo because i read the description on the website or and the reason i asked that is when i got into this i didn't know anything it was like i'd go on a forum and some guy would have like oh i run this smarty with this you know thing and i change this torque and nobody really kind of knew other than you know if they were racing or they had a dyno number to show you but Something we try to do with the podcast, and what I love about the ones you know that you guys do with us is they're very educational. And I just hope people hear the information, the expertise, all the experience you guys have, and then they're asking you guys the right questions when they call in.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of good information out there if they go and look for it. Uh, as I've gone through posts on Facebook, you know, guys say their trucks are on this way or uh, their trucks doing that, there's a lot of bad information out there too. And um, whether it's on purpose, like they're trolling, or uh, you got other people that don't know the right answer. Um, so, yeah, you got to be careful about where you get your information from. Um, if, if you're wanting to do something to your truck, make some more power or better fuel economy, whatever, it's best to call the company that sells them every day or manufactures them and ask their sales team. What do you recommend for me? Uh, asking the Facebook mechanics probably not going to get you where you want to be. Uh,
2: yeah, but there are people that will read like on, on the web store, for an example, you know, we put in the description like what the use for the product should be limited to. So say this is strictly for street driving. You know, don't be toting a fifth wheel camper if you're say with our 68 drop-in turbo. Sure and you'll get the guys that will order them online. You know, they must not have read the description. They just saw 68 in their mind and thought big power. And they go and slap it on. And then when they're told their little to camper, they're calling because they're mad because they have high EGTs. But they still have like stock injectors in the truck. And then, so, you know, we have to ask them, like, did you read the description? You know, we specifically state you shouldn't use this product for this purpose. And then a lot of times they'll get defensive about it. And like, you know, we put this there for a reason. To assure, like, that you're not going to be upset, you're like you're going to be happy with the product, you're getting the correct product. So I say we deal with that more more now than we ever used to. Most people, if they would call and ask for recommendations, they would take that recommendation pretty seriously or actually read before purchasing. But a lot of people, I think, and like Dan kind of touched on, kind of like Amazon, they see this product, oh, I want this, so they order it without really diving too much into it. Uh,
0: They don't have a when i get now the product that they want and they just send it back to amazon and amazon sticks to the seller so like I said, amazon's kind of ruined it for a lot of yeah. industries
2: <laughs> yeah
1: there was somebody a while ago they needed a turbo i think it was for us not matter if it was for a six liter or seven three and i said um hey you should you know call Dan's diesel or, you know, just don't just buy this thing off Amazon. And they ended up buying it from Amazon and they have an issue and they're like, Hey, do you know anyone I can call to like tech this and figure it out? And I'm like, call Amazon, man. I told you to buy it from a place. Like that's part of it too, that, that for anyone that's new and and hasn't upgraded their truck or or done anything like that, it's not just the price of the product you're paying for. You're also paying for the expertise and the support. That's something to really keep in mind with anything, whether it's turbo injectors, anything to do with the truck is you know, think of how much experience you guys both have. How much experience you have, Dan, with working on vehicles and the R and D and the manufacturing process and the team that you have. If you have an issue or you have a question, you just call a number, send an email. Amazon, you're not getting that or you know, other places like that. You're not getting that support. So that's something I always tell people that are new to diesel trucks or new to upgrading them is you gotta think about that particular that particular side of it.
0: Yeah.
2: And, you know, we're only a small business. There's 14 of us in our company, you know. So, like, when you're working with us, you know, you'll know us on a name-to-name basis. You know, if you call us a few months down the road, you'll be like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, how's the truck been running? If you call Amazon three months down the road, they're going to be like, oh, what did you buy? Like, who are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's your order number? <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, bear that in mind. You know, we always like to hear from our return customers customers. And
1: how things are going for them. The other question I had, and I, I was saving this one kind of for the end, um, but I think it's really important. Is there a, It was maybe five years ago or six years ago. I did an episode with, I don't remember who it was with, or I just remember talking about business and somebody who started a diesel shop, I think it was in Texas or Arizona or something. And this guy had sent a, a message and he said, hey, my wife and I are taking a road trip We just listened to this episode. We were really inspired by what the guest was talking about. And I've been thinking about leaving my job for a long time. I love diesel trucks. I love working on them. And I just pulled over the side of the road. We talked for a few minutes and we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to start a business. And that was one of the most powerful moments for me. Knowing what somebody heard is inspiring a life change. And I wanted to ask you guys, how do you do it as a team? How do you guys work together balance everything because i find that happens a lot is um somebody will start a business they want to do it their wife's joining them um and i have no experience with that i don't know what to tell them i don't know how it works i don't know what tips are so i wanted to ask you guys how do you do that how do you manage all that
2: let's say first and foremost is you have to be able to work well together before you ever start a business i'm saying just like within your household like. You know being able to take different tasks and if you can handle that kind of stuff at home together fine then maybe look into the business aspect like there's things he likes to do that maybe i don't like to do so that's where he's at or like the book work he doesn't like book work in any capacity or dealing with taxes <laughs> or the, or the government you know that kind of stuff so that's where you know i come in so you know if you're gonna go into the business world, understand what your strengths and weaknesses are, figure out like what part of the business one of you wants to handle why another one handles another aspect, you know, and then come together on certain things, you know, work together. And when you're outside of the company, try to step away from the business every now and then to kind of give yourself a little refresher. Yeah, to understand. You know, if you have a family, you need to make time for your family. You know, when you're first starting a business, you're going to have a lot of input. You're going to have a lot of time that you're going to miss with your friends, your family. So you go into it kind of expecting that there's going to be a lot of long nights, missed weekends. You know, um, you are have to make a lot of sacrifices in the early days. So if you can navigate through that and kind of come out when you're finally starting to generate a little bit of a profit in your company, I think. You'll do all right. But the most important thing is, you know, if you're going to start a business, make sure it's with someone you actually like spending time with, too. You know, random times of the day, you know, maybe he'll have discovered something, you know, whether he's testing injectors or making, like, a new set of nozzles. He'll be excited. He wants to come in and tell me about it, you know, before we've even, like, put him into a truck. Like, oh, look what I'm doing here, you know, and kind of give a little bit of feedback. And then, you know, he's back out again. (laughs)
0: I'd say the other thing is, uh, as far as building a business, there can only be one owner, one captain, one chief, however you want to look at it. And um, that way, that there's one sole decision maker, and that, that's the person that's going to call on the shots. Uh, so there's no confrontation between two different partners. Like, oh, I think we should do it this way, well, we should do it that way. But you no, know, this is the one that makes the calls, and this is the route we're going to go. So those decisions are what's going to make or break the company, I suppose. Um,
2: I agree with that. Yeah. I was pretty upfront. Like, you know, you started this. This is your baby. I'm like, I'll offer opinions, but I want you to have the final say in whatever the company does.
1: I think that's a really good point in that. I guess it, it sort of opened up another question for me, which is about the leadership side of it. Um, because sometimes it might not be a husband and wife. It might be two friends that want to start it. And one builds yep. transmissions, one does something else. And there's so many pitfalls and so many stories that you can read or hear about where that conflict just ends up destroying the business, yep. you know, itself. Um, how, how do you take, as a leader, say constructive criticism or say you're really excited about a part, Dan, and you just, you spent, you know, three weeks working on it and somebody says, this is not the right time to do it. Like, this is what's hot right now. We need to work on this. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you incorporate it? How do you make business decisions with that in mind?
2: I, I probably do that to you the most, <laughs> honestly, but we're, we're pretty good about that. Like when it comes to whether decision-making or releasing a product and, you know, kind of run it by me. And um, like, I might agree with it. I might disagree. Like, you know, we've got this going on right now. We shouldn't like, like let's say we're marketing something and it's steaming along pretty good. So like, let's not mess with the flow of this. Wait a little bit or <laughs> driving the shop truck. Um, one day I had to go to the, like a doctor's appointment. I took the shop truck and there something about It wasn't like, didn't feel good to me when I was driving and I came back I'm like man this thing kind of drives like shit to be honest with you <laughs> and he kind of just looked at me like a little bit offended and I'm like well, I'm not gonna lie to you I'm like it wasn't enjoyable really driving it so and then yeah they looked into it and found a few little issues and, Yep, that addressed. so mm-hmm. like you have to you know I'm not going to criticize something unless something isn't sitting right with me and You have to be able to take it in stride. Like if you can take that criticism and not get get mad about it, be like, Okay, I see where you're coming from, let's see how we can fix this. Like, that's the day you're actually gonna grow as a business owner or someone within a business. Like that's when you're gonna get better as a person too. Like if you can't take criticism, you're never gonna expand, you're never gonna grow, you're gonna plateau within your company. And Dan's also pretty good about taking criticism and Kind of going with it, improving
1: upon things as well. So it's really a a two way street in the sense of, Dan, you have someone to trust and get their feedback from, and then Heather, you feel comfortable enough to say, "This truck doesn't run right. Like this thing sucks to drive. (laughs) Something's wrong with it." And being able to work together to to make those those decisions. Or I'm sure there's times, you know, Dan, where you're like, "This is going to work. People are going to love it. I know we need to do it. It might not be the right time." but this is the perfect time. And Heather, you probably say, okay, I, I trust you to, you know, this is, you know, your instinct, you, you know, you know, the market, what people want, let's just do it. So I think, I think that's the yep. biggest takeaway I have from the advice that you guys gave is just being able to work together um, mm-hmm. in probably so many capacities and then just translates into business where you guys can make joint decisions and prioritize things and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's really going to help people because that's, that's one thing for years. People ask, well, how do I do it? How do I start it? How do I balance all these things? I don't know how to tell you, but let yeah, me talk you to gotta, You got to
2: learn how to not take those things like personal, you know, when you're working together, it's, you know, outside of the company, you know, maybe there's going to be something snarky you're going to say to one another, but you know, let's, let's say maybe I'm not doing something that I'm supposed to be doing. If you say like, Hey, you're supposed to be doing this. I need you to get this done. Like, don't get mad about it. Be like, you're right. I apologize. And then, you know, get on the task that you're supposed to be. Like, you can't get upset about those things. You have to be a business when you're within the business. You have to stay kind of on track.
1: A question I have for you guys to help me with something is, you, Heather, you talked about being able to turn off or leave kind of work at work and have the time outside. I find that so hard for myself because I get ideas at eight at night, 11 at night, or I turn on my computer and I'm like, Oh, let me look at this or let me look at these analytics or whatever it might be. I find it so hard to turn it off. What are some tips or some things you would tell me or, or lots of us, we don't even have to be in diesel or even work on trucks or be in the, the diesel performance industry at all to struggle with this. What are some things you guys do to be able to turn it off when you need to turn it off and focus on other things?
2: Um. Well, we work outside of work. <laughs> we also farm, you know, um, in two different places. So outside of work, that's usually what we're doing. We're farming. So it kind of just gives us a break outside of the building to be able to go be outside and do the thing we grew up doing, kind of keeps us grounded a little bit. And every now and then, um, go camping, go on a vacation, maybe once or twice a year. if We're lucky, uh, So yeah, there's a lot of times we're guilty of it, you know, we're just sitting at home and he's got a really cool idea he's thought of and he wants to talk about it. But when you're self-employed, you know, it it is inevitable to an extent. You're going to talk about work sometimes. But um, as we've gotten older, um, it's been a little bit better outside of work. But yeah, usually um, we have other hobbies we're doing or farming. Just something to kind of give your brain a break from yeah. Your everyday
1: work schedule. Mm-hmm. What are some things that uh, that you're working on, Dan, for either new products or updates or different things you guys are, are doing at Dan's use performance?
0: Uh, well, we're working on some improvements the turbochargers. Uh, because right now, our biggest one is the 68 and all. We to make something a little bit bigger for those uh, work stock trucks. Uh, we made a 72 millimeter drop-in for others, every 7 truck, and I uh, think has been doing very well. Uh, so I think uh, hopefully we'll be able to come out with that somewhat soon. And the same thing in the VGT line, you know, we want to make a larger turbo for those. Uh, offering the drop-ins for the L5Bs, those are getting really close. Been a slow process making sure that everything's right and going to run the way we want to with the turbine design and vanes and all that stuff. So, um, I'll be getting into some six seven coming servos here. Uh, that's been the things to do. Uh, and this is you know, expanding our injector offerings and possibly getting into stroker CP3 pumps. Another thing that we wanted to, to do
1: so. All sorts are, of stuff. are the L5Ps taken off a bit? I kind of I hear more about them now and and see people either doing stuff or wanting to do stuff with them than I did, you know, a few years back. So as the aftermarket caught up a bit? Where?
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's it's catching on. I mean, these trucks are starting to get more affordable. We saw us in the LML platform as they started getting older. More people are starting to buy them and modify them. Then, buying a brand new truck that comes with 450 horsepower, well, buy a little bit older one that has a lot of the same features and you know, soup it up a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the LFIP market's definitely taken off, especially since uh, tuning's been available from HP and whatnot over the last uh, couple of years. Um, yeah, injectors, transmissions, all sorts of stuff's available for those. Uh,
1: With the, uh, I was going to ask you just a quick question about the 10-speed Allison for those customers or, or people that uh, do contact you guys. Do you think that's going to be a transmission that has some potential in the future to, to hold some power? What are your thoughts? on? I don't know very much about it. And i barely covered it.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot available as far as parts for those yet. Uh, I know there's a couple of trans companies like Randy's and RevMax that are working on them. Uh, we haven't had one apart yet. Here. I got seen one apart in our shop, but uh, not really a whole lot of performance parts available for them yet. I think one of the big things that was holding them up was transmission tuning. So now that that's been cracked and you know, mapped out, I think uh, messing with pressures and shift schedule, stuff like that, it's going to help those things live and put those performance parts in there and up the lane pressure. And, uh, I think it's going to help those transmissions live quite successfully.
1: That'll be, that'll definitely be cool because they're. I love the styling of those trucks, and they're just. I really like them, and I've sort of, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. just. I think a lot of people do, yeah. and they're just waiting for things to kind of catch up so they can jump into one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have a, a 2020 and a 22 High Countries, and uh, I mean, love driving them. I mean, both of them, they just have uh, Banks Derringers on there, and uh, they shift real nice. The, the gear ratio junk is a lot closer. They don't have that big RPM drop every time you would shift, especially pulling the camper, pulling the goosenecks to the truck pulls. They're very uh, pleasurable to drive.
2: Yeah, and they're both still intact, too, and the one has 65,000, I think, and the 20s. And we have 18000 on the other one, and they both ran very well. We had a Death Eater on the 20 yeah. crapped out, but that was under warranty. But other than that, both trucks have been very good trucks. Probably my favorite truck to drive out oh. of all the generations.
0: Yeah, that's spunk and quiet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you
0: get older, uh, the, the loud truck theme is... kind of dying off as far as what you want. Well,
2: and you appreciate those little creature comforts when it's 95 degrees and you have leather seats, you can turn on the little air-conditioning seat button. Yeah, that's quite
1: nice. Like, that's nice. <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you guys. I don't know when I changed, but like I used to like them loud and everything else. And now I'm like, I just want it quiet. I want to hit that button and fill the AC. And oh, my steering wheel heated up in the wintertime. I, I love this. Oh, wait, let me look at the 12 <laughs> inch LCD screen in front of me and everything else. Like it's really nice with what they have. And I'm, gonna, I'm sure there's questions that I didn't ask you guys about the truck parts or just anything like that. What's a great way for people to be able to reach out? to Dan's Diesel Performance, connect with you guys, or just follow and see what you guys are doing and parts and trucks you guys are building.
0: Oh, uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're always posting stuff on there. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. We've uploaded some videos in the past, so we're hoping to get some more content on there going forward. Or
2: uh, call
0: uh, us. You know, good old-fashioned phone, old phone calls. Call. Yep. Yeah, give us a call. Shoot us an email. At info at com. Uh, a lot of different ways to get a hold of us, but if you got questions about your truck what you can do with it, just give us a call, and uh, one of the guys will be happy to take care of you.
1: Very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys chatting with me today and talking about some some things that are really important—not just for business, but then you know, like also personally, and balancing our time and how you guys grew Dan's useful Performance. It was really it's really cool to hear the story, and there's a lot of a lot of value and and a lot of tips that you guys have. So I appreciate you chatting with me today. I know you guys are busy and have a lot going on, but I look forward to seeing what you guys um, continue to do. I I I definitely would love to do this again, sit down, chat with you guys, maybe take some audience questions that they might have for you guys and just kind of not not prepare you, but just throw them at you and, uh, (laughs) and get them answered. So I appreciate you guys chatting with me today. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Yep, Thanks for having us.
1: Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. So if you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, something around the job site, they've definitely got you covered. One of their newest models in 2023 are the the Duralock models, which the blades made out of D2 steel. It's got a really smooth opening mechanism to open and close it, keeps your fingers away from the blades um, when, when you do it. So definitely make sure, head on over, check them out. If you're in the market, use that discount code for 20% off. also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen and the 23 Diesel, J. Cole, John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube and podcast apps, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We appreciate all your support here in your 7 of the Diesel podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.